0: he's good. So, we're just going to dig right in. Genesis 1.27. So, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And this is a pretty simple truth. It's been a simple truth for thousands of Of years and yet we find ourselves in our present culture having some difficulties or some folks in our present culture not understanding or just not wanting to understand this to be a truth and to be the truth and the truth is part of the God's manifold truth is that we are created beings. He's, He's the creator and we are the created, and we were created for his glory, not for our own. We were created for his glory, and then what happens when we don't believe this simple truth? The only other option is to create our own truth. When we don't believe the truth, when we don't believe his truth, the literal only other option is to make our own. People create their own truth But creating your own truth is nothing more than a lie. (laughs) Because if our created truth, or if our truth contradicts God's word, or God's personhood, or God's truth, then it is a lie. And my lie was born this way. That was my lie that I believed wholeheartedly for 36 years. So I don't have a lot of memories. I'm gonna tell you my childhood a little bit just so you have an understanding of who I've always been until my salvation moment. Um, and, and there's some difficult parts of, of my testimony, but I don't want you to necessarily hear the pain or stay in the pain part of my story, but I want you to dwell in the promise because, yeah, there's been some things, man. There's, and I share this much of my pain story, but I I can honestly say the joy that I have in the Lord so outweighs those years of pain that I have have had that it's even though I share it <laughs> almost every week um, sharing about that pain it's it's the part of my life that's that's the st- Story. It's not the life I'm living anymore because of the joy that I have in my Savior. So with that, I don't have a lot of memories of my childhood, probably because of, of a lot of the pain that I experienced, but one thing that I know for sure is that when I was little, some of my first memories were that I was a boy. not in a tomboy kind of way, I literally thought, I was a boy. I lived in a neighborhood with other boys and they were my friends. We did all the things that typically boys would do. I was very athletically blessed. And then when I started to like really understand language and hear that that Johnny and Brian and Billy were being addressed differently than me like boy son brother I became very confused by that. In my mind, I'm like, I'm literally just like them. Why am I being addressed differently? And then you start to recognize and get a little bit older. It's like, wait, our bodies are different. What is going on? And so I didn't understand what was going on. And so I became very confused by that and then very angry. I felt gypped. Like, why does Brian and Johnny and and Billy get to to be boys like me, but they get to have a boy body as well, and I'm stuck in this girl's body? Became very, very confused, and that confusion led to anger. I did not want to be stuck in this girl's body. So I was also angry and confused, and, and I'm going to share a little bit about some of the stuff that was... Uh, going on in my home that, that I was experiencing, but please understand this is not me blaming my parents. This is just me sharing my experience. In my home, where no one else could see and no one else could hear, I watched my parents have a very dysfunctional relationship with each other. What really affected me the most was the way my father spoke to and over my mother. Daily, multiple times a day, I would hear him say things to her like, You're stupid. Like, you're so stupid. You're just worthless. You're crazy. You're so crazy. I'm going to drop you off at the loony bin and never pick you up. What I realize now is that every time I got in the car with them, I started to feel anxious. I didn't know, but now I know through sitting with the Lord through these times of sitting at his feet and asking him all the, the why questions that every time we got in the car, I didn't know if that was going to be the time that he dropped her off at the loony bin. I mean, words, words can carry a lot of um, power and direction with them. And so, as a child, the only thing I could do with these words that I, I heard constantly spoken over my mother was believe my dad that my mom was stupid and worthless or, and crazy or not believe my dad, which makes him just a mean liar. So I, unbeknownst to myself in the moment chose that he was speaking the truth, and so I pulled away from my mother, not wanting to be like my mom and not wanting to learn life as a little girl from my mother, who's a woman. I pulled away from her, detaching from her and from where I would have uh, gone to learn womanhood and femininity from because I I didn't want to be like my mom. I didn't want to be stupid stupid and worthless and crazy. I wanted to be strong and, and powerful. I wanted to be opposite of her. So I detached from her and her womanhood and attached to all things masculine, which wasn't a stretch for me because I already felt that way anyway. And obviously, I didn't understand this at the time. I was just thought I was born a boy, and there was somehow some horrendous mistake made in my body. And and so again, I just want to reiterate, and, and I can talk differently with you guys than I, I can with um uh like when I share with the youth this weekend, or sometimes even in like Wednesday night church. But um, you guys are out living living in in the rawness and realness of the world in a way that uh, younger kids aren't, but also people uh, older in my age haven't experienced. So it was more than just tomboy stuff. For me, like when little, I don't know, 10, 11, 12-year-old girls are, are putting on their training bra and stuffing tissues in their bra to make them look like maybe their mom or their older sister and be a little more developed, I was pulling socks out of my drawer and sticking them in my shorts because I wanted to look more developed like a boy would. So what I was experiencing was confusion that was quickly leading me down a road of dysphoria. So... I had all these uh, misunderstandings about my body. I had deceptions about who I was and and what my body was, but I didn't understand that at the time. I was just a little kid trying to live through each day because each day was a challenge. So I thought a horrendous mistake had been made to my body and that's what lies do. They, they hide in the darkness and they manifest themselves in other ways, even in behavioral ways. And to make matters even worse and even more confusing for me, I was being sexually violated consistently. So in my mind, I thought that only happened to girls, never to boys, so if I could just become that boy that I already felt like anyways, maybe this abuse would stop. For me, it was never a thought of how do I become a woman, it was more along the lines of how do I become a man, it sure does seem safer. My girl body needed protection, and I thought I could protect myself by becoming a boy, which wasn't a stretch for me. And again, I didn't understand this at the time. I was just trying to survive the day, but that is what was happening. So I had this love-hate relationship with my body. I loved having the athleticism that it gave me, but I hated that that same body was being used for reoccurring sexual abuse. And unfortunately, my story is not uncommon for many who identify as gay or trans. Many, many have various stories of abuses. And now it seems the latest form of abuse is coming through social media. And please hear me out on this, especially for those of you with younger brothers and sisters. Please, our young people are being abused online by predators that call themselves influencers or friends. Our children are being sexually abused without being physically touched. It's happening online with photos and videos and stuff. The, you show me yours, I'll show me you mine, you do this. I'll do this. It's, it's sexual abuse. When you have an, it's all the same indicators of sexual abuse when you have a 10 or an 11-year-old little girl online with an older man telling her to do these things. That is sexual abuse. But when a parent goes and talks to their child or an older brother and sister go and talk to their little brother and sister because you've seen a change in their life, and you talk to them and ask them those hard questions like, honey, has anybody ever touched you the wrong way? Have you ever been abused? They will sincerely say no because they've never been physically touched, but they have been sexually abused. That is abuse. And so please, if you have little brothers and sisters, talk to them about the dangers of being online alone. Tell them you'll be there. There. Partner to walk them through that through this and teach them the do's and don'ts of social media and being online, please our, our kids are being trampled over through uh, influencers online, but not just uh, through sexual abuse but through um, emotional manipulation, I'll say, and and not that everybody that that is online that is a social uh, media influencer is trying to manipulate people, but sometimes that just happens, and there's some influencers that actually get to a point to realize what they've done and how they've influenced others online have caused a lot of damage. And so we're going to show a video here in a second. Um, This is a woman. Her name is Jalissa, but she identified for years as an FTM, female to male, uh, trans man or trans male. Had a large social media influence, particularly, particularly to young girls, telling them the, the joys of transitioning. She had top surgery, so a double mastectomy. She had a hysterectomy and she had bottom surgery. So, <clears throat> you'll see the scar. The permanent scar on her arm, where they removed part of her arm to make um, the down below parts of, of the best way they could create the male genitalia down below for her. So she has her body, there's irreversible damage that's been done to her body, but you know what? God saves souls. The Lord is still, I know the Lord is coming. Um, coming hard after her because everywhere I travel across the country that I get the opportunity, I share this video and I pray for Jalissa and I pray that after you guys watch this video, you would pray for Jalissa too. So if you would show the video, please, brother. Changing my external world did not change my internal world. This isn't some evil woman that wants through the change that she experienced and went online to document it, to, to be evil and mean and lead young girls astray. She was in her own pain. But there's a lot of people like Jalissa online that are leading people astray, whether it be purposely or someone like Jalissa that was just in her own pain. And confusion, so please uh, be mindful who you follow as influencers, and please, please be watchful for your little brothers and sisters or the young people that you have in your life, okay. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we lift up Jalissa to you and pray that you would meet her right where she is and let her know that you see her as beautiful. Lord God, you don't see her scars, you don't hear her deep voice. Lord, you see her as beautiful and we just pray that you would continue to draw her to yourself and that she would uh, see you for who you are and bring herself before you, as we have done, in a place of uh, surrender and repentance so that she too can receive and believe the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. And I ask that you would somehow let me meet her. In Jesus' name, amen. So please keep praying for Jalissa and pray that I get to meet her. <laughs> so... Um, I wasn't raised in a Christian home, so I didn't know that I could turn to the Lord for help and prayer. I didn't know there was a God who loved me and would comfort me and speak truth to me. I didn't know the truth, so I made up my own. And the truth was I was in deep pain and I didn't know what to do to relieve it. The only way I knew to manage the pain was through self-injury, drugs, and alcohol. And so my self-injury began at five years old. It was pretty... I was in a lot of pain, and the drugs and alcohol began at 12 years old for me, like massive amounts of drugs. I needed pain relief, and this was the only way I could find. Pain always demands a response. Please hear that. Pain always demands a response. We heard just heard how uh, Jalissa uh, responded to her pain. Pain always demands a response, and I didn't know that I could respond to my pain through prayer, so I found my own way instead. So, so oftentimes, if something's true in the physical, it's true in the spiritual. So, so physical pain, if I were to hit my elbow, especially the funny bone, my first response would be to grab it with my other hand and say, ouch, I would cover that pain and hold that pain And that's what happens oftentimes to our heart. Our heart experiences this pain and we don't know what to do with it, so we cover it. We build up walls around it so we don't experience that pain anymore because we just want the pain to stop. And so we have to be mindful if we have heart pain to bring that before the Lord. But again, I didn't know the Lord, so I handled all my troubles in my own strength. It was my only other option. I even tried getting married to a man when I was younger thinking that would somehow make me a woman because I didn't want to be same-sex attracted. I didn't want to be gender confused. It was horrible to experience that. But marriage didn't make things better, it just confused me more. I was a 19-year-old, same-sex attracted, gender-confused, drug-addicted, alcoholic teenager, and he was a 27, 28-year-old man that was just released from prison with no job, living with his grandmother. I would have done anything to make the pain go away, even experience something such as what that marriage was for me. So that didn't help. He actually began to physically abuse me. And so eventually I filed for a divorce and that's when I fully came out and started presenting in the masculine and identifying as gay. Now, when I presented in the masculine, hear me on this, it's the first time I felt relief. Relief. I felt relief. I felt safer when I started presenting in the masculine. I wanted to be protected. And I thought the best way I could be protected, especially from men, is to look like a man. Now again, this was all deep within me. I just thought that I was born in the wrong body i thought that i was a boy i thought i was male but had to live life in this female body i did not understand that at the time but that's what it was my male persona my male presentation was my suit of armor if men saw me as a man they would never come near me and never touch me again when I came out and started identifying as gay is when I felt freedom for the first time. I felt free because I was no longer saying no to these sexual, deep, guttural sexual desires that I'd had for as long as I could remember. But please hear me on this. Just because I felt free doesn't mean I was free. It's understandable I had those desires, but just because it's understandable doesn't make it True, the truth was I wasn't walking in freedom. I was living in bondage, but I did not understand that. I had a false sense of freedom because I was carrying about in a false identity. It was an identity that I created myself to keep me safe and comforted both physically and sexually. I didn't know that I could find safety and comfort in the Lord because nobody told me about Jesus, (laughs) nobody. The only thing I saw from Christians were when I would go to gay pride parades and I'd see those nasty signs that would say things like, God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, or homosexuals will burn in hell, or God hates fags. And I was just like... (laughs) If they're the ones that say they know God and they're telling me that God hates me, why in the world would I want to find out who that God is? Why would I want to find out who the Christian God is? Why would I want to read their Bible? It would make no sense. So I didn't. Instead, I made up my own God. Some days it was Mother Nature. Some days it was reincarnation. I used to take a bunch of drugs and lay out in a field in upstate New York because it was supposedly alien sightings there, and I'm like, well, if I'm the highest one here, they'll pick me to shoot up into their, into their UFO, and then I can ask them if they've met God in their travels. I mean, I believed pretty much anything and everything except I wanted nothing to do with the Christian God, because of what I saw from the very few Christians that I encountered, but those Christians were the ones that were telling me that God hated me, I wasn't an atheist. I was always looking for something or someone higher than me. I was seeking the only way I knew how. And you know what's so cool? Is that's enough for God. He knew my heart. He knew it was really him that I was seeking. And so in that, um, in the seeking, there were two very difficult circumstances that came into my life that brought me to the Lord. One was 9-11. You see, I was a flight attendant then. I just retired two years ago after 25 years of being a flight attendant for United Airlines. And I was based out of Newark, New Jersey, and so was my girlfriend at the time. So we had a a beautiful home in, in central New Jersey that the only thing that really separated us from lower Manhattan where the Twin Towers were were the Raritan River. So as a crow flies, our house was about 17 miles from the towers. And by the grace of God, we both had off that day. I was scheduled off, but she was supposed to, 9-11 was on a Tuesday morning. She was supposed to start a three-day trip that Tuesday morning, and her first flight was Newark, San Francisco, leaving at 8 a.m. She had been flying for 15 years at that time, had never called in sick before. On Monday night, I asked her, why don't you call in sick? Let's just chill out at home and celebrate my birthday, which is the 13th. And just without hesitation, she's like, okay. And so we were both home when that happened. There's, if you want to talk about it later afterwards and hang out and talk a little bit about that, what some of those experiences were, I'll, I'll share that with you. But I, want, I don't want to take the time now. But what I will say, it was very hard to, as a flight attendant, as a crew member, it was very hard to get back on an airplane after that and work a flight We have crew briefings before our flights where the pilots will come and the flight attendants, we gather together in in first class before boarding and we have a crew briefing. And so the crew briefings would go something like this after 9-11. This is the code word if we're under attack. If you can get to a phone, pick up the phone and call us and give us that code word, or just holler it as loud as you can, and then know you have 10 seconds before we flip the plane, so you better find something to hang on to. That's how my day would start as a flight attendant for United Airlines after that. And then shortly after that, just a few months after that, I got a phone call from my only brother Larry telling me that he had just been diagnosed with lung cancer. So that was devastating as well. So I would go to work wondering if I was going to experience terrorism that day. And then on my days off, I would go visit him and walk with him through his his surgeries for being lung removed and and just the the troubles that he had with with lung cancer. And one of the times I went to visit him and he was so excited, he's like, Patty, I have something so exciting to tell you. So I'm like, oh, you're in remission? Are are you gonna live? And he's like, no, 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 it's not that. It's, it's Bruce, the guy across the street. He's been grabbing his Bible and bringing it over to my house. And there's these things called the Gospels. And they talk about Jesus and Patty. I believe now. And he lit up when he was talking about that. And I was so excited for him. Because I saw his joy. But there was a little part of me like, oh, are you going to tell me that I'm going to hell now too? Which, praise the Lord, he never did. But then just a few months after that, as I was holding his hand in the hospital, I watched him take his last breath. My brother died right in front of me and I didn't know what to do with his death. It was devastating. It seemed there was death all around me. I was still smelling the the carnage from the burning buildings that lasted for months. And so I was very confused about death and what it was, and therefore very confused about life, and I had this one burning question in my heart that I wanted to talk to my girlfriend about it because she wasn't just my girlfriend, she was my best friend, she was the only person I trusted, but I knew if I talked to her about this, I could hurt her, and the last thing I wanted to do was hurt her. I loved her, but as God would have it, and he's so good, I woke up one morning, I rolled over, and I looked at her, and I'm just like, babe, do you ever think the way we're living is wrong? Her eyes got huge, and I was like, "Uh, why did I say that? She looks at me with those big eyes, and she's like, I can't believe you just asked me that. I was literally just getting ready to ask you the same thing. You guys tell me that's not the Holy Spirit all up inside our lesbian bedroom that day because there's no place that you can flee from God's presence and there's no place he won't go to make his presence known to us. He's just that good. The Bible says in Psalm 139 that the the darkness and the light are the same to him. There's no place he has to hide He's omniscient, he's omnipresent, he's omnipotent, he's holy, he's pure. Nothing can come and stand against our God, especially these two confused young ladies that that are living a life that they thought was the best life they could have. And up to that point, it was. And so right there in our bedroom, we got down on our knees and said, God, if you're real, will you show us? And if the way we're living is wrong, show us. So I'm like, hey, my brother had a Bible, like, you know, she had moved out from out west so we could live together, and she, I'm like, do you have a Bible? She's like, yeah, I think I got one in, in some of the boxes. So we go upstairs, and we're fishing through boxes, and we find her Bible that she got from catechism or whatever it's called from when she was little, and we come downstairs with the Bible, and we're like, <laughs> like okay, so a lot of words in this thing, and finally I'm like, this is ridiculous. Let's just start reading here. And as God would have it, that happened to be Leviticus 18.22, which says, and you shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. So our hearts started beating. I call it the Holy Spirit heartbeat now, but I had no idea about the Holy Spirit then. But I do want to pause for a second from the story and say that it says, it is an abomination, not they are an abomination. It's talking about the behavior and there's actually no part out of the five main verses in the Bible that talk about homosexual sexual behavior. There's no part of them anywhere in the Bible that talk about it as an identity. It's always as a behavior, and in that behavior, a sinful one. And so we saw those words, and we're like, we were kind of stunned. And that moment, we be, believed God somehow. God, who is this God? But but that He was real, and that He had spoken directly to us but we also wanted to know if the Bible said anything about women being together. And so through asking a a coworker on a flight one day that we knew was a Christian, we asked her if the Bible said anything about women being together. And she told us to read Romans chapter one. She's like, read Romans one, find out for yourself. Like, all right. So we started in Genesis and found Romans. Who knew there was a Index or whatever you call it in the front. But we finally made our way to Romans and we read chapter one. And when we got to verse 26 and 27, this is what we read. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For their, well, all right, I have to pause for a second. So we know for those of us that study the Bible or read the Bible, for this reason, it's like, okay, what reason? So we have to look at the verses before what those verses before are talking about is how man, you know, we we don't have any excuse. Basically, this is major paraphrase. This is like from the Message Bible. (laughs) Sorry. Um, (laughs) It's like, listen, open your eyes. Come on, open your eyes. Look around. God's invisible attributes are clearly seen. You have no excuse. And it's like, well, you kind of see that you have no excuse, but then you became futile in your own thoughts. And then eventually you started worshiping the creation, instead of the creator, you started worshiping self instead of me, which is what Genesis chapter three talks about. And so now here's an example of what self-worship looks like. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due." So at this point we knew we had to find a church and we found a Calvary Chapel in New Jersey and I'd never heard worship music before. I heard Christmas music and Easter music but I'd never heard worship music before. And so when I heard it, just the music itself was soothing to my soul. I thought it was gonna be like some huge pipe organ with Bart Simpson's mother on there, you know, the big bouffant playing some music that would not connect with my soul but it was a full-on band. And I'm like, oh. Yeah, that's a pretty good guitar lick right there. Man, that guy's pretty good on the drums. And so even just the music started to soothe my heart because I was nervous being in a church. But then when I saw the words on the screen and these words were talking about the holiness and the righteousness of God, I'm like, wait, that's who he is? What? But then when the song came on or whatever that we're talking about how much his love is for us and how much he loved me, when I tell you it ripped my heart wide open, like wide, I was filleted open in the heart and I started weeping and I didn't cry. I barely cried at my brother's funeral. Crying showed vulnerability and that made me scared. But here I was weeping, talking to God like, no God, you couldn't, there's no way you could love me. There's no way you could love me. I've done too many bad things. There's a whole lot of bad things that have done to me. And well, there's a whole sexual identity and gender identity, I'm sitting right here with with my girlfriend. There's no way you could love me. And your people tell me that you hate me. So arguing with God. But God, in his mercy and in his power, was washing me with the truth of how much he loved me. And so... I gave my heart to him on January 19th, 2003. I, the, the pastor that was leading that church offered to um, walk with someone, anyone that wanted to surrender their life to the Lord. That He's like, I'll walk with you through this prayer, which was good for me because I didn't know how to pray. So I prayed and asked God the Father to forgive me of my sins, for Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And in that instant, everything changed. I immediately went from darkness to light, from deception to truth, truth that God loved me, and that truth set me free. And immediately I was done with my 24-year addiction to drugs and alcohol, never to touch it again. And as I walked into that church with my girlfriend... I gave God, or I didn't even know I did, but I was released of my own self-identity, and now my identity was in Christ Jesus. And what's really awesome is that she did the same thing that day. So we walked in as lovers, left as sisters in Christ, never to be with each other again. It was just so amazing. And when we got home, because we owned a home together, it wasn't like, Oh man, I sure am going to miss you. Let's just, let me hold your hand one more time. Oop, okay. It wasn't, it wasn't like that. It was like, can you believe God is so good? He's so real. This is, we were so excited. I right away moved into the spare bedroom. We'd wake up the next day or whatever if we had off together, because usually our schedules were we'd fly on the same days. She'd go downstairs to the back porch and read the Bible. I'd go out on the front porch and read the Bible. We'd meet in the dining room. It's like, man, let me tell you what I read today. No, you went first yesterday. I get to go first today we are so excited and I started devouring the word of God I couldn't get enough of the word I realized the Bible was true and it held all the answers to any questions that I'd ever had and the truth was I was a sinner and I needed to repent Whether the sin I was committing felt good or felt normal to me or felt like my truth, it wasn't the truth. And I needed the truth of my God identity instead of my self-identity. My freedom came from truth and truth alone. And we know John 8.32 says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. (laughs) Now I was living in true freedom. Deception Lies, they lead to death. So John 8:32: "The truth leads to life and makes you free. Listen to John 8:44, as Jesus is talking to the Pharisees that are like, "Yeah, we got Abraham, Abraham is our father. We're going to go." Jesus says to the Pharisees, "You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry about your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. It doesn't say he doesn't know the truth. Trust me, Satan knows the truth. But he wasn't holding to the truth for there is no truth in him. When he lies, listen to this, when he lies, he speaks his native language for he's a liar and the father of lies. So we have to be careful whose language Regardless of what the culture is saying, we have to be careful whose language we're speaking, because Satan has his own native language as well, and lies make a very big impact on ourselves, but also the person that we're deceiving, thinking maybe that we can build a relationship or build a bridge to the gospel by lying to them, like, say, pronoun hospitality, Lies, we cannot bring someone to the truth, to the cross of Jesus Christ through deception. It was truth himself that hung on that cross. It's the truth that sets us free. So, truth leads to life and freedom therein. And so, now I was walking in the truth and I wanted answers to better understand where I came from and why I believed all those lies. I wanted answers to that. So I would ask God, okay, Lord, I know that I wasn't born gay, but why has it always been a part of what I've felt or experienced? Why did that seem natural to me? God, will you show me where I've been deceived? Will you show me where I'm wrong and you're right? And God was faithful and patient and loving as he walked with me and answered all these questions one at a time. He didn't overwhelm me with them. I wasn't born gay. I'd been deceived. So sometimes we have to look back to move forward. And that's when God began to show me about my childhood trauma and the effect deception had on my life. I would have never known about detaching from my mom if the Lord hadn't shown me. I didn't realize the toll the childhood sexual abuse took upon me. But I had to sit with Jesus and in his word to find that out. And it took a while. So while salvation is instantaneous upon repentance and belief, we know that sanctification is a process. It took years for the Lord to heal the hurting places that led me to creating my own identity. And he's still bringing healing and he will continue until I go home to be with him. So while instantaneously I became a new creation in Christ Jesus, my brain and my body stored memories. Especially the memories of the abuse that I had filed away far, far away in my brain for 24 years. But I had to let him reveal those memories so that they could no longer have power to deceive me. Do you hear that? I had to let him reveal those memories so they no longer had the power to deceive me. He would reveal and then heal, reveal the deception and heal it with his truth. I call it reveal and heal. You know what the world's calling it? Conversion therapy, and they're making it illegal. That breaks my heart, that there's people that want to be healed, and our country's calling it illegal in many states, especially for our youth. This is what brought me to the place that I am now. We need to allow the Lord to go to these deep, hurting places if we have them, And that means that he's going to reveal things that aren't pleasant to see, but allow him to go through this process in us so that we don't stay in our place of deception. And as hard as it was, I had to invite the Lord into that pain. It's where the deep healing began. And again, pain always demands a response, and I'd kept mine hidden for too long. We're going late tonight, brother. Is that all right? Okay. Um, Exposure brought truth, and truth sets us free. Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me, meaning Jesus, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to console those who mourn in Zion. Listen to these words. You guys probably know them to get like these beautiful exchanges, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. So he was healing my broken heart, giving me freedom from my captivity, opening the prison I created to wall myself off, He was comforting me and consoling me as I mourned. He was giving me beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the deep heaviness I was feeling, and my roots were going deeper in him by trusting him in this so that I too could be a tree of righteousness that would not topple over from the strong winds of pain. And in all this, he was being glorified. So I have to ask you guys, have you allowed the Lord into your hurting places? Have you allowed the Lord into your hurting places? Has pain caused you to believe lies about yourself? Has someone hurt you or lied to you and made you feel less than? We all have pain. We can't escape at this side of heaven. So I just want to... Invite you to allow the Lord into the pain so that he can anoint you with the oil of joy and ease the pain with his presence. In his presence is fullness of joy. In his presence is the fullness of truth because he is the truth. And the truth is, you are beautifully and wonderfully made. The truth is, you are worthy. The truth is, You're his beloved. The truth is, is you're always in God's thoughts. The truth is, you are chosen and not rejected. The truth is, you're free from condemnation. The truth is, is that you, if you are the Lord's, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The truth is, you're a child of God. The truth is, you are loved and valued and chosen and restored and washed clean and forgiven and blessed and set free and complete in him. And the truth is you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. So please allow the Lord to expose any lies that you might believe so that he can truly set you free in that particular lie. Allow the Lord to reveal and heal. So, Lord, I do pray that you would reveal any lies that anyone in this room has believed, maybe thinking that they're not good enough, whatever, they're not pretty enough, they're not strong enough, they're not smart enough, whatever it might be, please quicken the hearts of your children here, Lord God, so that they will know that it's you speaking to them and that you're touching that. You're touching that deception and saying, son, daughter, it's time. It's time to talk about this lie that you've been believing about yourself. It's a lie, and I want to uh, expose it and bring healing and truth to, fill, to exchange that place with. So Lord, please do that mighty work here tonight in the days coming. Lord God, we trust you will do this because we've asked. We've asked you, Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. So we're gonna have a time. You guys doing all right? I went a little long on that, but we're here till ten, so we should be all right. No, but I, I do, um, I do want to take a little bit of time for like maybe like forty-five minutes for Q and A. That'll only be fifteen minutes late. Okay, all right, thanks. Yeah, we got time.
1: Can we just thank Patty again for just coming on out, please. Such a beautiful story of redemption. I mean, not just, you know, gender dysphoria, same-sex attraction, but also, I mean, drugs, abuse, so many things pitted against you, and to just see you up here, so much joy. I mean, it's just, it's, praise the Lord.
0: Praise the Lord. And and it's really in Christ Jesus that we have joy, because when I started off in telling you I'm in a difficult season, pray for me, please. Pray for me that, that if you a praying person, that the Lord would, um, that as I'm coming through this trial, that I would come out differently than when I went in.
1: So, yeah. thank you. Amen. Um, okay, well, um, we are gonna open it up for Q&A, so we have a phone number on the back screen if you guys wanna text a question in. Um, we do have a few that already sent some in, so I'm gonna read two, because I think they kind of say the same thing, if that's okay, um, more situational. Can, can we
0: just, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord God, and Lord, uh just, we bring nothing to the table to answer these questions with, and so we ask uh, Father God, uh, Holy Spirit, please come and, and, and fill me, fill my brother Brendan, Lord God, with um, with what you want to share and with your answers, with your truth, with your word, with your love, with your kindness, with, with your truth, Lord God. And so we need you now, God, we pray in Jesus'
1: name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, thanks. All right, yeah. All right, so first two questions. So my sister is a professing Christian and believes she was born gay. I have tried to have a conversation about how this is untrue before, and she kept bringing up Christian, in quotes, sources that believe that the Bible is not precise about homosexuality. How should I go about further conversations and show her the truth? And then one that's the same thing, two, just situational. It says, a friend of mine from college identifies in the LGBTQ community, and they have experienced hurt from the church and wants nothing to do with Christianity. We have built a friendship through college, and I'm wondering what the best way is to defend Christianity and also love this friend in a way that can bring him to Christ.
0: Thank you for asking those questions. Let me do the friend one first, because um, there, there are truly some church hurts out there. Um, and there's also some that say they've been really hurt by the church, but what they mean by that is, we'll say, a church like Calvary Chapel Lynchburg that teaches um, through God's word, and when we get to those verses that maybe talk about homosexuality or a verse that would uh, be uh, an avenue for Pastor Troy or whoever to talk about sexual issues... Um, and spoken from the pulpit the truth of what God says about homosexual behavior, they call that church hurt because they believe it's abusive. There's a big move now to say it's abusive to actually teach God's word in its entirety, in its truth, and that we've gotten the word homosexual wrong, that the word homosexual wasn't brought into the English Bible until 1946, and they got the word arsenicoide wrong. It doesn't really mean that. It means that older men shouldn't sexually abuse younger boys, and it doesn't mean monogamous relationships. All these kinds of um, narratives are now happening with those who identify as gay Christian in their online presences. And so there are some large communities online that um, identify as Uh, gay Christians, as you have the paperwork, side A and side B. Justin Lee is a side A gay Christian. Brandon Robertson is a side A gay Christian. Matthew Vines is a side A gay Christian that all have large presences online. And they will say that you can have monogamous relationships. You can, as a man, you can marry another man and it honors God and they can live their life out like that because Paul wasn't talking about monogamous relationships because he didn't have the understanding of monogamous relationships, which is untrue, but they have very large following. So um, for actually the first question and the second question, I would imagine those, your sister and friend have probably gone online and either read their books or watched their content online. Um, And then there's the side B, gay Christians who uh, Believe what the Bible says about sex and sexuality and marriage. And so they're celibate. They don't, they no longer engage in sexual activity, but they still carry the gay identity because they have same-sex attraction. And I I I struggle with that a little because I'm not saying that they're not saved. I'm not saying they don't have strong walks with the Lord. What I'm saying is um, I've experienced the power of God in my healing. And, um, I know many, many others like myself have experienced that same power of healing from, from the Lord. And I I will say that if I carried any part of my gay identity still, even though I was celibate or a gender identity, I would have fallen back into the behavior as well, because with the identity, um, brings the whole gay community. You can't Identify as gay and not be part of the gay community. Uh, those who are, are are actively living that out, and and it just it was one of the many things that I took to the cross in repentance and asked the Lord to forgive me of. So I don't understand picking it back up, saying, "Well, here's my gay behavior," but let me walk away with the identity and live celibately. Where's the hope in that? So, um, what was the question though? How do you minister? To them
1: Yeah. how do you go about further conversation showing truth and love
0: um, I would just ask questions like who 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 are the gay Christian um, influencers that you watch or read I would love to be more studied on them so I know what it is that you believe and who it is that you're following if you're strong enough to actually do that and say you know let's do a book exchange I'll read um, you know something from whoever and would you read this book from whoever I, I have? I love that
1: idea. That's a yeah, idea. I,
0: I have a resource page on my website with different books and ministries and stuff. You can go find one there. How about Holy Sexuality by Christopher Yuan? That's that's a good exchange one. And just see if they'd be willing to to do that. Say let's let's understand each other better. So. Let's do a swap here and make sure you pray um, as you're reading these things. Because, like Brandon Robertson, he's has anybody ever heard of Brandon Robertson? Okay, um, I was at a conference with him. I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, and it was a large, large conference, and so a friend of mine from Focus on the Family was getting ready to have lunch with Brandon, and he's like, oh my goodness, will you please come have lunch with with us? And so it was Brandon Robertson, myself, and and this guy, Glenn, from Focus on the Family. And at that point, uh, Brandon uh, um, identified as, so LGBTQQ, he identified as the Q-questioning, And so I heard his story and it's a very common story, no father, alcoholic mother, uh, lived very poorly, didn't have food and clothing oftentimes and then saved up all his money to go to Moody Bible College and then it was there he started questioning his identity. And so talking with him the next day, I'm like look honey, I'm a nobody here, nobody knows Patty Height, nobody knows out of Egypt Ministries, everybody else is clawing at you, the reporters were there. I'm like, I'm a safe place for you to talk about what you're really experiencing if you wanna reach out to me. i tell you what, I'm gonna ask my friend if you can come over to our house for Thanksgiving because his mom was absent and he never reached out to me but I told him to be careful because if he continues in the questioning without grounding himself in God that he would soon go through all the other letters and now he's, I'm gonna say this, even though I love him, he is so heretical that he says Jesus is a sinner that Jesus didn't go to the cross for our salvation to shed his blood for our freedom, but he did it for social justice reasons. I mean, he's so far gone, and I tried to tell him, I'm like, Brandon, this is what is going to happen because compromise begets compromise begets compromise. Um, so please don't, don't read any of his books because um, I think that would be very, very dangerous and very dark, but some of the other books, if just pray over and, and be willing to, to read them, so you can meet them where they are. And then say, all right, we're both Christians. Let's do a Bible study together. Why don't you know what? Come over, if you guys have Bible studies, say join us on Friday nights or how about just you and I go together, let's, let's find a small book. How about First John? First John is a great book to go through and see, see if they'd be willing to go through one of the books of the Bible together and, and talk about your commonalities and just um, continue to, to show grace, don't compromise the truth and see what God might do in your time together.
1: Amen. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Show grace. Don't compromise the truth. I know you talk about this a lot. Ask questions. Yes, always asking always questions. Ask questions. Getting involved in their life is so so important. Mm-hmm.
0: What was it like for you when when you were younger and you knew you had same sex attraction and you were a Christian and you you weren't telling anyone? Or I guess it would be different for the sister relationship. But say, what was it like for you in youth group? Like, when did you first recognize you had same sex attraction? What was it like? telling your parents and questions like that, get to get to know them. Better hear their story.
1: Yeah. It's not our job to drag them back to Jesus, right? His sure loving it kindness no, just kidding.
0: <laughs> By the hair. Come right. on. Jesus no, loves you.
1: It's his loving kindness <laughs> that leads us to repentance. Amen. Right? Amen. And, and it's we his trust that sets us free. Amen. Yeah. It's Love a great that. combination. <laughs> um, another question. Uh, this one goes to media, social media. So how should we navigate media, social media, and other outlets? I don't know. No.
0: I really don't know I mean I had to ask he posted he's like let's make a video for tonight I'm <laughs> like okay how do you could like can you make that go on mine?" Did, did we ever get that on there? Either? I don't know uh, I, I put it on mine and it only showed <laughs> like 10 seconds of it so um I'm not super savvy with social media um but how to navigate it I would what would you say how about you answer this one?
1: Oh boy um Personally, I have had to lock down my phone and take all social media off of it just because it's, for me, it's not a healthy place. I think it's hard to go on there and be on there and be in a healthy mental space, to be honest. And I don't know if you found that no, too. No, I, I agree,
0: especially this season that I'm in. I had to take myself off Instagram and, and well, Facebook. That's just silly, but I, I, I'm i on Facebook so that I can reach the older crowd when I need prayer because um, it's just my age people on there arguing about politics. Um, <laughs> so crazy. So, but yeah, I, I, I st- stopped. I actually took a three-week break from doing ministry and made sure I wasn't on social media. So how about this? Use a Bible instead of an app and um, read a book. <laughs> Pick up a book instead of picking up a phone. Pick up a book instead of picking up a phone and, and just see what God does with that. But you're really not missing out on anything but not being on social media. I mean, seriously, how many more Vitamin videos. Can you see or whatever your algorithms take you to I mean, seriously We just scroll without even looking because it's just become such a habit It's like bring a book in the bathroom with you not your phone Matches and a book now. I'm sorry. You guys probably have roommates, right? Sorry. See I should have just left it. With no you. I'm just gonna let you keep going.
1: <laughs> I love it. Um, okay. This is a really good one so how should I go about ministering or sharing the gospel with a gay individual who I suspect might be attracted to me? How do I go about this while trying not to stumble them in their sin?
0: Hmm. Great question. Um, well, for it's a little bit different with, with guys and girls because with the girls, it's really an emotional attachment that's usually the first thing that would draw a same-sex same, same sex attracted woman to another woman. Um, guys are a little more visual, um, so uh, for a, a, a woman who's in relationship, friendship with a woman who's same-sex attracted, it's concerned about there being a deeper attraction there. Um, it keeps popping up into my heart. So I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to trust that this is the Lord. I would just talk to her about it. W- women are pretty communic- communicative. We talk. Um, so I would just talk to her about it. Listen, 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 friend. This is, I care about you so much. And I love our time together. I think we have a lot of things in common. I love it. Um, but I have a question in my heart and I don't know what to do with it. So I'm just gonna, here it comes. Um, how does a straight identifying woman, cause that's a whole nother comment. Anyways, there's, okay, <laughs> stick on topic, Patty. As, as as a straight woman, how does a straight woman understand when, when a woman who identifies as, as a lesbian or same-sex attractor or whatever, like, me as a straight woman, how would I know when a gay woman is attracted to me and just want to be my friend? Because I've had that question about you, like, hey, we get along really well. Is that because we're just friends or is there an attraction here? Like, help me out, sister. How am I supposed to know? And just kind of keep it a little casual that way if, if you can and see what happens with that. I'm all about being just transparent, well, it's the better trans, and and being being out there and honest with with everything and so that's me that's what I would do also I'm from Jersey so we just let it all out there's anybody here from New Jersey yay what part very nice what about you South Jersey all right I lived in uh, the Old Bridge area for a while I'm living in California now anybody here from California I'm in Irvine now where are you from Nice. There's an orange New Jersey, too. You should try there for a little while. Come to the East Coast. Um, So, yeah. So, But with guys, um, I don't know. What would you say for the guys?
1: I think it's the same thing. Communication. I I just, I'm very, I love, that's one of the things I love about Patty is she, as you guys have probably been able to catch on to tonight, she is very open and honest and will just tell you like it is. (laughs) So... I would say the same thing. I think it's just worth having a conversation about it.
0: Okay. And 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 just be like, listen, you know, brother, I I wanna hang out with you. I I enjoy your time. Listen, I don't under there's certain things about your life that I don't understand, and I would imagine there's things about my life that you don't understand. So if I'm crossing any line that makes you uncomfortable when we're together in a sexual type way, please, brother, just let me know because man, I don't want to stumble you. I love you too much. Maybe something like that.
1: Anybody write that down? That was really good.
0: (laughs) Is this recorded? (laughs) That's right. Yeah, send it to to me so I can use it for next weekend. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) What? Um, Hey, brother, I, I, I... love and appreciate our time together and I really want to hang out and there's things about you I don't know there's things about me that you don't know let's get to know each other better and one thing I don't understand is if I'm in friendship with a guy that's gay if there's anything that I would do that I wouldn't know that I'm doing that would make him stumble I don't want to do that because I care about him or I care about you too much so would you let me know because man I don't want to cross any lines I love you too much and I want to keep our relationship healthy A little different,
1: but that's 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 how we roll. That's how we roll. Um, All right, here is one about this weekend coming up. So if you guys don't know, Patty Height is going to be speaking at our youth conference this weekend. Um, Someone asked, what are some of the things you'll be talking about with high school and middle school-aged kids, and what are your thoughts on schools incorporating LGBTQ ideology on children? Any ways to combat that in a loving way and through God?
0: So I'll be sharing... um Saturday, a couple of times, and I'll share. I'm not going to be, I don't think, like I had a different little part of my testimony for you guys tonight until about four o'clock. And the Lord's like, No, this is what you're going to share. You can talk about pain. Um, so, what I think I'm going to share Saturday with the kids is a little bit of my toned down testimony, um, and then um, encourage them and talk to them about if they experience. Same-sex attraction or gender confusion—it's okay. God's not mad at them. He doesn't hate them. He's right there for them. Come talk to us about it. This is a safe church and leadership to to be able to be open and honest. Um, if they have, uh, well, I like it when I get a chance to share with the parents because. Because then I can tell the parents, you need to be a safe place for your kids to be raw and real and open with you. But um, so I don't know. I'll encourage them to talk to their parents if their parents are, are um, you know, come to come to church and they're a part of the the body here or whatever church they go to. Um, and then we'll have a time of Q and A. I'll probably talk about some gender stuff because our kids, the younger ones, they're experiencing a lot of gender confusion more than any generation before them. So I'm going to talk about some gender stuff and then we're going to have a time of Q&A. And then what was...
1: Yeah, just asking about schools too oh, and schools. that being yeah. pushed in our schools today. I know you're talking a lot about teachers last yeah. night too and just keeping them in prayer.
0: Definitely being pushed in our schools. So much so. Does anybody follow Gays Against Groomers? online, and there's trans against groomers, but gays against groomers are a little bit of a bigger community. Even those within the gay community are like, why are you indoctrinating our children with sexuality and gender? Just let them go to school. Hello, math, science, English, and gym for me. <laughs> um, I was going to say a joke, but oh, thank you, Lord, for stopping me. Um, and, and so, so if the gay community is online being a voice for for what's stopping what's happening in our school, how much more should we be <laughs> as Christians a voice? Don't be afraid to get ridiculed or unfollowed or trashed horribly online. It's okay. This life is temporary. The truth that you share with people could save somebody's Life, and I know that we really wanna connect people with here, but while we're here and we don't want relationships to break here, but this is all temporal. These relationships are temporary, but the eternal relationship is forever, so I'd rather offend somebody here with grace because the truth just in and of itself, regardless of how we bring it, is offensive, but I'd rather bring that offensive truth in a non-offensive way to somebody here, even though it might break the relationship for a while in hopes that someday they will remember that truth and they will come to Christ and I'll see them eternally in heaven, then comfort someone here in their deception and never see them again after they or we die. Because that's the reality of it.
1: Yeah, and I think this probably has a similar answer than what you just said. I know just someone just texted into, what are your thoughts on attending or not attending a gay wedding as a Christian and not wanting to offend, but show love?
0: Yeah, that's the number one question I get. Um, should I go to a gay wedding? And, you know, my, you have to pray and bring it before the Lord. Lord, am I gonna, what do you want me to do about this wedding? Um, it's a very close person in my life, might be a brother or sister, might be a parent. Um... Lord, what would you have me to do with this? I know in your word, not only is it wrong, but it is so blasphemous to what marriage really is. Is this a place that you actually want me to go? Like, could I go to this wedding and represent you, even though it's in direct heretical opposition of you and and what you have called marriage to be? Personally, I don't think so. We have to ask ourselves, where do we draw the line and what is the line that we draw? So this has to be our line. This has to be our true north. This has to be the, the truth. And so what contradicts this, I don't think is a place that we should fully walk into, especially when it's something like marriage. So like we would have to ask ourselves, if this same person uh, became a Satan worshiper, and they were married. They met someone who was also Satanist, and they had some wicked priest performing the ceremony. Would you go to represent Jesus to bring Christ light into this dark place? I I wouldn't. I would feel very unsafe there. But I think it would also be hypocritical as a Christian to go to a wedding and pretend to be happy and joyous when really inside you're praying against what they're doing. That's just hypocritical. So I would tell them, don't just, I mean, if you're close, don't just say no to the invite. Um, but, but talk to them and say, look, I know this isn't, thank you for thinking of me to invite me. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that you would think of me because I know you're probably, probably limited to the amount of people that, that can come. But this is going to be one of the most important days to this point in your life that you've ever had. And you know that I'm a Christian Um, I'm a little confused. Um, I'm thankful that you asked me. I'd leave out the confused part. I'm thankful that you asked me. Thank you for the invite. But you know what I believe concerning marriage. So I just feel like I would be lying to you if I, I came and I'd be presenting with this happy face but inside I'd be praying asking the Lord to meet you right where you are so I don't want to be a hypocrite at your wedding I don't want to have accidentally any type of frown on my face so that you would see and be upset or your family would be and be upset I think it would be better for you and your family if I was just in a different place on that day loving you from a distance because I do love you, but I think it would just be better for you and your special day for me to not be there because I don't want to bring any bad mojo <laughs> to your wedding because I know it's a, it's a great day for you or something to that effect. But in your words, with your personality, yeah. but personally, I wouldn't go to a wedding, and I've I've been in that position, and I thought I was going to lose this friend, but she appreciated my honesty, and I kept saying. I'm like, "Look, the Lord told me if I went, I'd be deceiving you." She's like, "No, I know you're not deceiving me. I I know who you are. I know what you believe. I know what your ministry is. I love you. You're like a second mom to me." I'm like, "Look, the Lord told me if I went, I'd be deceiving you. So listen, this is what's going to happen because God gave me a word. If I am disobedient and I go to that wedding, it's going to affect our relationship." because of my sin and my disobedience, and I love you too much for my disobedience to affect our relationship. If I don't go to your wedding, it's still going to affect our relationship, but I'm being obedient to what God spoke to me, so I'm trusting that God through that, through my obedience, will bring newness and freshness to our relationship because I've been obedient to what he said, and she appreciated that. And so that's, that's the way I handled that situation.
1: Yeah. And I think that can be viewed when you don't go as a not loving thing to do. So when you Mm -hmm. reiterate, I'm not going because of my love for you, Mm -hmm. that can be really powerful. Yeah. Um, All right. So this one is going back to something you said earlier in the night that says, can you clarify your stance on conversion therapy and elaborate more on your comments from earlier about it becoming illegal?
0: So in many states, what is being called uh, conversion therapy uh, for Many states, if you're 18 years old and younger, and you go to a, a psychologist or a psychiatrist uh, for counseling, and you tell them you have same-sex attraction or gender confusion, and that you know that you know that you know that you have it because of you know this circumstance or this circumstance, oftentimes it's it's because there's been sexual abuse, and uh, the the psychologist says. Well, I cannot say anything to, or however they say it as a professional, but in a nutshell, I cannot tell you that um, your homosexuality is wrong, even if you don't want it, even if you believe it's from A, B, C, or D. All I can do is affirm you in that, because if I do anything other than that, I'll lose my license. So, in many states, I think last time, it's probably way more. For sure, there's thirteen states, but there's probably more now. Um, what conversion therapy is in in the counseling arena is anything that's other than affirming an eighteen or younger year old person, anything other than affirming them in their sexual or gender identity is considered conversion therapy you're trying to convert them to something that they're not and therefore it's illegal regardless of what the child comes in and and says to them and so but again like oh i have a new bible um where is that in romans somewhere in romans somebody can google it in the beginning numbers of is it Romans? Oh gosh! It just—I think it's no. It's Acts. Um, sorry for having that conversation with myself. Um, that says, "Therefore, repent and be converted." Will somebody look it up for me? Um, so we are all converted when we come to Christ. There is a conversion. We go from from death to life, and from sin to, to robed in His His righteousness. And and yet. Um, what society and the culture and the laws are now saying is is if anyone tries to change a sexual identity or a gender identity, it's illegal and it's damaging, and it could cause someone to, to be further damaged, when I believe it's the opposite. When you get to the reason, like Jalissa said, she had an emotional problem that she tried to fix in the physical, if someone would have met her in all that emotional trauma that she had, she might still have her, her full body. Mm-hmm. Did anybody
1: Acts 3.
0: Acts 3.19. All right, I'm gonna read Acts 3.19. Thank you for looking it up. Would you give her $20? She wins. (laughs) Acts 3.19 says, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. How beautiful is that? And our, our laws are trying to to say that any type of conversion is damaging. Opposite. Opposite of what God's word says.
1: Um, We have a few questions about pronouns. I know we handed you guys uh, pronouns.
0: Do you see that safe? (laughs) That was pretty good. We have it on camera. Let's roll it back. (laughs) (laughs) And it exposed my cute shoes. Aren't these nice? She
1: said, whoops, you knocked the bottle down just to show off your shoes. Well, you know. (laughs) Um, I had a few questions about... um, different like pronouns, using those. um, One question was, how do you suggest we talk to people who identify as non-binary? How should I go about referring to them when tendons are high, but I wanna be honest and yet respectful and loving to them, not compromising?
0: I think non-binary is one of the easier gender identities to to have conversationally with people and and, just Not use any type of gender identifiers, I I guess. Um, You know, there's there's the he him, she her, they them, ze It's there's so many gender identities now. So if they're uh, non-binary, I would imagine they're, they're they them. I would just, if you're close enough, have the conversation. Be like, you know what? I don't read a lot of stuff online because I don't have gender, you know. I'm, I'm, I don't have, um, you know, a a gender identity other than my biological one, and so I don't understand uh, different types of gender identities. Tell me what it means to be non-binary. When you say you're non-binary, what does that mean? You're right. I do ask a lot of questions, you know, and it's it's get to the heart of of people, and 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 just be like, you know, what I'm I'm not really confident that I'm going to be able to um, identify you or, or call you by your preferred pronouns um, for one it's because I am a Christian and I just I just for me put it back on yourself for me it doesn't feel safe for me and my identity and my walk with Christ to share to express a uh, to use somebody's preferred pronouns because I'm trying to strengthen my walk with Christ. And so for me, for my walk, for my identity, I'm gonna have to take a step back from using these preferred pronouns that you wanna be identified as. So I'm just simply asking the Lord, how do I do that, God? How do I do that without compromising my walk? And how do I do that without compromising uh, my friendship or relationship with you and say, because I don't know how to do that, because we really are like the first generation to to be blazing through these trails, and we're going to get things right, and we're going to get things wrong. And I can sit up here and say, this is what you should say, and this is what you should do, but I spend most of my time in churches. You guys are the ones that are really out there living it. And so, um, has anybody had an experience that they've experienced that they feel like this was this God really gave me a great way to to walk this out, and maybe you can help us with with something like that. Anybody? Okay. Well, write me when you do. But um, it is hard. It is hard. But when I sat with the Lord and praying and asking him all these questions about the preferred pronouns, what the Lord really overwhelmingly gave me was that sheet about um, lying. Lies, like, like lies don't just affect the person that we're lying to, but lies change our hearts. Our hearts become hard when we start to lie. And when we call someone a she that is biologically a he that is a lie and they're in deception so when we use their preferred pronouns we're just perpetuating the deception that they're already in and that is not loving at all that's using that john 844 his own native language language satan has his own language and what it is is lies And so that's why I wrote down, look, take the time when you can. These are the Old Testament verses about lying. These are verses that actually talk about truth and lies in the same verse. A lot of them are in the Proverbs. And then New Testament verses about lying. And and again, as it says here in in Genesis chapter 3, the biggest lie that there was, and the first big lie, or the first lie, I mean, is in Genesis 3, 4, but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die and here we are today our flesh dying every instant because of that first lie so lies are big and so how do you do it i i don't know do you do you know have you experienced that
1: no but i don't know if i heard this from you or i read this somewhere but i thought of it in the same way of if you do affirm someone out of fear of making them offended when using pronouns Let's say 10 years down the road, they get saved. They come back to you and they're like, hey, you know, I'm a Christian, yada, yada, yada. And then they're like, wait, you used to firm me as a guy when mm-hmm. I was a girl. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I mean, that, that is lying to them. Mm-hmm. And, at, you know, I know Troy's made this analogy a lot, you know, uh, about 9-11 too, where if you, were, if you knew the 9-11 attacks were going to happen and you didn't tell anyone there would have been outrage, right? That's what people were looking for when they happened. They're like, did anyone know? How, did we, how do we prevent this from happening again? And so we know the truth. And so I think we have a responsibility to be truthful, do so, doing so in grace, right? Jesus did so in grace and truth. So doing with both. But yeah, I don't, I don't think you can affirm someone that I think yeah. it's lying.
0: And people, people might get angry with you in the moment when you're not uh, using their preferred pronouns because you want to be someone who speaks the truth in, in grace. But when the crazy hits the fan, they're gonna wanna come back to the person that was willing to love them enough to not compromise the truth. And the crazy will hit the fan eventually in their life. So if it's somebody that you're close to, like a family member that will consistently stay in your life, they're gonna come back to you because they know they can trust you regardless of the situation.
1: Yeah. Good word. Um, This kind of has, it's a broad question, um, but this says, how do you practically deny your flesh past life desires when, as a believer, you are a new creation in Christ?
0: I keep hearing crucify the flesh, but that wasn't part of the question, was it?
1: No, uh, denying your flesh.
0: Denying the flesh. crucifying, too. I mean, yeah. There's so many ways we have to deny our flesh. We have to deny our flesh in what we eat. I have to deny, and this is so not compared to denying it sexually, but um, I have to deny my flesh with, with gluten. And I, I mean, I'm from... Jersey, man, we got the best pizza there is and bagels that are to die for. And I have to deny my flesh eating gluten because it makes me really sick. And I went like eight years not having a drop of gluten, so no Worcestershire sauce, no soy sauce. It wasn't just like bread and pasta. I had no sauces, nothing. I was gluten-free. You know what the first ingredient in, the second ingredient in licorice is wheat, because it's a binder. (laughs) So like there was so many things that I didn't eat and I was so good. And then um, my sexual abuser died and there was no repentance. There was no reconciliation and it really threw me for a loop. And I, in my life before Christ, when I was in pain, I would go to the drugs and the alcohol and the sex, but I wasn't doing that now because I'm a child of God. And I've given, you know, that the Lord has released me of all that. So you know what I did in my pain? I started eating gluten. I started eating the Twizzlers. And I went out for bagels in the morning, and I was so sick. My stomach hurt so bad. And then I was also eating, like, bags of of, like, Uh, chocolate peanut butter cups and I would get so sick until finally it was just like I recognized what I was doing I was hurting my body because of of the pain so I had to once again give up the gluten for the sake of my flesh for the sake of my body and so um, I had to count the cost I had to count the cost, and so when we it, we have sexual desires, it is not um, un, it's not not normal to have sexual desires, heterosexual or homosexual desires. We all have sexual desires. That's typical. That's normal. But First Corinthians chapter ten says all these temptations are common to man but with all these temptations, God will make a way of escape for them. And so um, during my times of temptation in my flesh, like when in my beginning years of of getting saved and the Lord was bringing, allowing me to remember some of the sexual abuse, um, I didn't really have same-sex attraction where I was looking at women going, oh, she's hot, she's cute, I want her, or all that. But when the memories of the sexual abuse were coming back, what I wanted to do was go down to the gay bar and get wasted and hook up. So what I did instead is I laid flat on my face in my apartment, I'm like, God, you already know my heart, but I'm gonna confess with my lips, I'm in a lot of pain right now and I wanna go have sex, like really, really bad. And I'm going to ask you, Lord, what is the way of escape? Please show me the way of escape, Lord. My heart really wants that. So with my lips, I'm going to pray and ask you to keep me at home. God, what I'm going to pray is that you would make me want you more than I want that. And my heart doesn't believe that. So I'm asking if you would hear the prayer of my lips and then make my heart come into that same place and please show me what that way of escape was. And you know what the way of escape was? That prayer. <laughs> that prayer was my way of escape. So when you're experiencing these desires and these overwhelming desires sometimes, go to the Lord in prayer. Admit and submit. Admit what you're experiencing and submit it to the Lord and ask for his strength in it and stop watching porn. <laughs> that's, a big, that's a big one. Yeah, That. Porn thing that many of us either are caught up in or have experienced and gotten caught up in. Porn is, is man, it's a killer. And it's just gonna continue to hurt you. And the, and the Lord loves you so much, he wants you to be released of that. So if you're watching porn, if you're addicted to porn, please tell someone so they can pray for you and walk alongside through, with you. It says in James chapter five, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Mm. Because the Lord wants you to to be healed through that, but understand you're you're not sick, you're not gross, you're not disgusting. You're a young, you're a person that's living in this age, and the spirit of this age, the spirit of the darkness of this age, is very sexual, very very sexual, and we're part of the culture now, so it's understandable. But the Lord wants to heal you through that.
1: Amen. Uh, well, wrapping it up, we're just about 8.45. I think this is a good one to end it. So okay. this one just says, Patty, how are you doing? How could we be praying for you? Mm. Thank
0: you. Thank you so much. I'm doing okay now. Um, a few months ago, man, I was in, I was in a really rough place. Some close friendships had changed and shifted, and I put a lot of stock uh, into a couple of these friendships. They brought me into their family, into their home to stay for a while while I was looking at, at, uh, you know, for another place to live, and just some things shifted, and it got really hard, and now there's a break in that relationship, and that really hurt because we were sisters in Christ and and, and, and family in Christ, and so that was really hard, and then Um, since probably, man, the past couple years, I've been speaking a little bit more on gender and identity and talking about truth more and prefer pronouns more and exposing the lies of the enemy more. And since that, um, it seems the enemy has kind of fired up his attacks a little bit more. So there was about a month and a half that the, the, the spiritual attack was every time I picked up God's word, which is usually in the morning to, to read, I started getting really dizzy and like nauseous feeling and my eyes used to start to flutter. So I do Old Testament reading and New Testament reading. And then when I got to the New Testament, if there were any words from Jesus, any red letters, then I started feeling like I was gonna pass out and everything kind of just went whew and closed to this. And so initially it it scared me. I'm like, what's going on with my body? And then I realized it was a spiritual attack. And so I pushed through and I pushed through and I pushed through. When I was listening to worship music by myself, I was, do you guys know Millie Vanilli? I was Millie vanilli it, right? It's like I had duct tape on my mouth. And so I was just, I couldn't sing out loud. And I love worship. I scream it at the top of my lungs. But when I was by myself, I could only say it on the inside. When I was in corporate worship, I was able to sing out loud, which was great. I'm like, Phew. but then when the pastor opened up the word of God, I started getting dizzy again. And I had to make a game plan. Am I going to pass out this direction? Or am I going to pass out this direction? And I would have to pray the first 15 minutes of the, of the sermon on, Lord, please help me not pass out. And so that was happening for a while. I, I sent out prayer blasts all across the country asking for prayer and I eventually had to take a break from ministry. First time in almost 11 years that I had to call a place and say, hey, I'm not able to come. Pray for me, I need to take a break. So I went back home to New Jersey, took a almost a three-week break and got refreshed. And praise God, I'm not struggling with that anymore. But the attacks are bad. Last night um, when I was trying to sleep, um, my uh, some of my uh, closest friends were in, in my dream, but they were demons and they were trying to bite my face and scratch at me, so that was pretty scary, and they're my friends, so I already have their, you know, picture of them in my head, and then finally, after finally, falling, I put on an app that reads a word of God, I finally fell back asleep, and then when I woke up again, I couldn't feel anything from my waist down, and so these types of attacks have happened before in the past, but they're getting more prevalent and more often, and just weirder and stronger. So, all that to say, if you could just please pray for for my strength through these spiritual attacks, and if if God is al- allowing them, because <laughs> God allow, I mean, God's sovereign over all things, that He would give me the strength to not be afraid of them, because some of them are getting pretty dark. But but also ask that that the Lord would release me and protect me from these spiritual attacks.
1: Well, let's go ahead and pray right now yeah. for you, Patty, you. And just for your ministry. Lord God, we thank you so much. Um, we just thank you for um, just the radical work that you've done in Patty's life. We thank you um, for just the grace and mercy that you have shown each and every one of us. And uh, Lord, we just thank you so much for Patty. We thank you for um, her time with us. We thank you that, um, that she, Lord, is just a beacon of hope, a beacon of joy of what you have done in her life, Lord. We thank you for that, and Lord, we pray against these attacks of the enemy. Um, We pray against them. We pray that your perfect peace would just wash over Patty even now, Lord. Especially going into a weekend of ministry, Lord, with youth, Lord, we just pray that your perfect peace would just flood her, that you would fill her with your Holy Spirit, Um, Lord, that she would just find rest even tomorrow, Lord. Find rest in you and in you alone. We know that your yoke is easy, your burden is light. So, Lord, we cast everything else off, we put on you. And um, Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing in her life. And um, I pray, Lord, as we go out from um, tonight, that you would just um, help us just to show love, Lord, to those around us, um, those struggling with their sexuality and just those that we come into contact with every day. I just pray that we would be lights, Lord, um, showing both grace and truth, being filled with your love and with your Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask it in your name. Amen. Amen.